Welcome to New Covenant Church. You're listening to this week's message by special guest, Bobby Connor. We're so glad to have Bobby Connors with us. This is the 20th year that Bobby has been with us. He started with us in 1997 at a youth uh, retreat. And uh, God just kind of knit. He is the prophetic voice over our house and uh, has led us to to believe God and follow God for a lot of years. And we're excited that he's here again tonight. Our theme this weekend is just only believe. Just believe. Hebrews 11.6 says, But without faith it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we're so excited you're here. And we want to give Bobby ample time to... Just bless your socks off. So would you welcome with me Bobby Connor? Thank you. Thank you. Listen, isn't it wonderful to be here? I really mean that. It's good to be here. Psalms 118, verse 23 and 24 says, This is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. Wow. This is the day the Lord has made. I am going to rejoice and be glad in it. I put a little bit of emphasis on it. You know why? All the money in the world piled up as high as this building could not buy back one single second of yesterday. It's gone. It's history. It'll never be relived again. And you know what? You and I have got to learn how to live in the present. A lot of people are paralyzed by the past. Oh, if I could live in Brannon's day, A.A. Allen's day, uh, Smith Wigglesworth's day. You didn't. You're living now. And so they're paralyzed by that. And then some of them are fantasizing about the future. Somewhere out there, the whole earth is going to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God. I love the little word N-O-W. What does that spell? Now. I love the little word now. It barricades a pathway to the past, blockades a pathway to the future, and traps us in the present. You and I need to move with God when? Now. What kind of a move of God do we need? Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not seen. If the church needs anything, it needs those two elements, substance and evidence. And God wants to give it to us, doesn't he? He wants to show up and show off. The Bible says, Psalms 90, verse 16 17 says, Oh Lord, let your works appear. Let your works appear. One translation says, show me what you can do so I'll know what I can do. Psalms 90, verse 16, verse 17. O Lord, let your works appear and establish thou the works of our hands. Yes, God, the works of our hands, establish thou it. Wow. Don't you want God to bless what you do? I don't want to do things and then when all of it's said and done, God goes, "Hmm, I didn't, I didn't, that wasn't me. Wow. Remember the guy in the Bible says, Lord, Lord, we prophesied in your name. In your name we've cast out devils. And in your name we've done many wonderful works. And what does Jesus say? Depart from me, work of iniquity, I never knew you. Wow. Wow. Apparently he had some type of a ministry, but he didn't even know the Lord. Wow. I don't want that to happen to you. I want us to be absolutely acquainted with God. Now, I'll let you in on a little secret. I've been preaching 48 years this year. I've averaged speaking five times a week for 48 years. I'm living proof practice don't make perfect. Can you imagine that? That's the absolute truth. For 48 years, I've averaged speaking five times a week. Wow, that's a, lot of, that's a lot of yakking. But here's what I want to tell you. Uh, listen, God really wants us to believe Him. 
He wants us to start exercising faith. Nothing pleases God more than faith. You know what the Bible says? Whatever is not of faith is sin. Wow. That is stunning, isn't it? Whatever we're doing that is not activating faith is sin. Wow. Wow. I don't want to be, I don't want to be a sinner to you. I want to approach God with faith. I'll tell you about faith. It don't take much faith, just real faith. If you had the faith as a grain of mustard seed, you could say to a mountain, get out of here, and it'd go. Wow. Wow. I've been looking at a little phrase in the Bible. The little phrase that says, all things. All things are possible to him that believes. Genesis 18, 14. Is anything too hard for the Lord? Is, what, that's a question, isn't it? Is anything too difficult for God? Psalms 42, verse 2 says, Oh God, I know you can do anything. So in, beside my Bible in Genesis 18, 14, I took a little pen and I marked Luke 1, 37. Luke 1, 37 says, With men, things are impossible, but with God, nothing is impossible. God can do anything. I want you to get that in your heart. And because God can do anything, God working through you can do anything. Here's a verse. Philippians 4.13 says, It is Christ that infuses me with power. It is Christ that infuses me with power so that I am ready for any circumstance. I'm suitable for anything that takes place. Wow. Isn't that amazing? John 15.5. John 15.5 says, Without Jesus, we can't do anything. John 15.5. He said, Without me, you can't do nothing. Oh, Pastor Darrell, first time I ever read that, I got mad. That's a dogmatic statement. Without me, you can't do nothing. That's what Jesus said. Wow. So I, I got mad. I thought, that's the most dogmatic thing. Without me, you can't do nothing. And then I simmered down and I thought, well, maybe I don't understand the word nothing. So back then you didn't have uh, computers to study words real quick. You had to get these big old books, Greek books and uh, Hebrew books. So I got them out. And I started looking for the, the Greek word nothing. I found it. I found it in Weast. I found it in Vines. Guess what nothing means? Nothing. nothing. Well, it absolutely means a big fat zero with a vacuum sucked in it. It's less than nothing. See, without him we can't do anything, but with him we can do everything. Jesus raised the bar real high in John 14, 12, didn't he? Yes. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that believes upon me and the works that I do shall he do also. So the theme of this is just believe. Wow. He that believes upon me and the works that I do shall he do also and greater works than these shall you do because I go to my Father. Wow. That set the bar high, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Now, you know, it's pretty sad. A lot of believers think the ultimate goal of God is just to get saved and carry us to heaven. Wow, now that's not anything wrong with that. That's a good thing, knowing that we're going to heaven. But that's not the ultimate goal of God. If the ultimate goal of God was just to get us from earth to heaven, we'd only need two ministries, evangelist and assassin. (laughs) Somebody get you say, pow, somebody shoot you behind the ear, you're there. But God leaves us here on planet earth for a function. To be salt and light. To be effective witnesses of His glory. And you say, well, Bobby, wow, you mean God expects something of me? Yes. He expects you to be fruitful. 
He expects you to be fervent witnesses of His grace. He expects you to be a city set on a hill that can't be hidden. Wow. Wow. There's a lot of confidence God has put in you. He's, he's put a lot of confidence in us, knowing that through Him we can do all things. I can do all things through Christ who infuses me. Let me read that verse for you. Now, I, I quote the Bible out of uh, nearly every translation I can find. But when I read it to you, I read it out of the Amplified Classic Version. If you ask me what Bible translation you like better than any of them, Amplified Classic. Don't get the one they made in 2015. It's weak, loose. Get the Amplified Classic. That, in my opinion, that's the best translation you can pick up. But it would benefit you to read it in every translation you can find. But I'll just read a couple of passages here. And uh, I, I like the Bible, don't you? I'll tell you one thing that will help you about your Bible study to realize it's not just print on parchment, it's a person. Yeah, this is not just print on parchment. First John, John 1, 14 says, And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. Wow, just to be quite frank with us. You'll never know Jesus in the dimension you need to know Him if you're shallow in this book. If you want to know all you can know about Jesus, get into this book and let this book get into you. Well, I'm, I'm going to read this, this verse. Uh, I'm headed to Philippians chapter 4, verse 13. I have strength for all things in Christ who empowers me. I am ready for anything and equal to anything through Him who infuses inner strength into me. I am self-sufficient in Christ's sufficiencies. Wow. I want you to start believing that. See, the devil is always accusing you of your, uh, you're not ready yet. You don't know enough. Uh, you're not, God, God can't use you. Those are lies. It is so strange. Holy God and hateful devil is asking each one of us the same question. How in the world could holy God and hateful devil be synchronized in what they're asking the saints of God? They are. I promise you they are. Holy God and hateful devil is posing the same question to every one of us in this room. Here's the question. Who do you think you are? Hell's going, who do you think you are? And God's doing, who do you think you are? He says, a person thinks, that's how they're going to live. As a person thinks in his heart, that's how his lifestyle will be. I suggest you and I get rid of stinking thinking. How do we get rid of stinking thinking? Get into this word. Let him start speaking to you about who you are in his word. Uh, Ephesians 1 says, we're blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Wow. Wow. What does that mean in earthly terms? Just in, in just kind of terms we could grasp. In our bank account, we have all the money in the world. And then why do we live like paupers? We've been blessed with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places through Christ. In earthly terms, we've got all the money in the world stored up in the bank. We just need to learn how to write a check. And it happens by the theme of this, by believing. How do we access all these blessings? By believing. What must I do to work the works of God? Believe in Him whom God has sent. How do you, how do you increase your ability to believe? Remember there's a guy in the Bible... He brought his son to Jesus, and the devil was trying to kill the boy, throw him in the fire, throw him in the water. He had a thing, a demon called Moonstruck, and, uh, and it's really pretty, pretty sad. And Jesus said to the father, 
How long has this been happening? And the father said, from a, from a, a, a baby. And wow, but I love what happens. The father said, oh, if you can, have mercy upon us. And he said, do you believe? He said, yes, I believe, but help thou my unbelief. Now, aren't you glad that God can expand our belief? He can intensify our urgency for believing? He can. He really can. wonder how that happens. I suggest he gets us out of our comfort zone. He'll get you in a dilemma that demands his intervention. Yeah? Faith that's not tried is theory. We've got to have faith that's active. We've got to be James 1, 22. James chapter 1, verse 22 says, We must become doers of the word and not mere hearers. The active doers. Say it. James 1, verse 22. Demands that we become active participants in the word of God. That's really true. And that is so helpful to you while you're Bible studying. Instead of just reading this as a historical document, read it as, as, as life. You know, and listen, you, the happiest people I know are people that memorize and live by the Word of God. As far as I can decipher and discern, this is the only book on the planet that can guarantee us success if we'll memorize it. Yeah. Joshua 1, verse 8. The words of this law, the words of this book, shall not depart from your eyes. You shall meditate upon them day and night, and they will guarantee you overwhelming success. Now, I don't want to be a failure, do you? None of us want to be a failure. And there's a pattern right there that will make us successful. Memorize this book. Joshua 1.8. You ought to put Joshua 1.9 in your heart, too. Be bold, be brave, be very courageous. Go do what you're told to do, because you're not going by yourself. Aren't you glad God will never give us an assignment without an anointing? He'll never give us a task without a touch. His anointing is in us. For everyone that's born again, everyone that's born again has the same Holy Spirit that was in Jesus Christ. Wow, that's pretty amazing. Here's what Jesus said. If the Spirit that raised up Christ Jesus from the dead dwell not in you, you are none of His. Does that sound like the Holy Ghost is optional? I suspect you and I are going to learn a lot more about Holy Spirit. He is absolutely essential to a victorious Christian life. The Holy Ghost. If you study the New Testament, you'll quickly discover not one single miracle is done by Jesus Christ until he's filled with Holy Ghost. Acts 10.38 says God did something to Jesus. Oh, he anointed him with the Holy Ghost and with power. Wow. You can't divorce those two, Holy Ghost and power. Look in your New Testament. Every time you find Holy Ghost, look real close, you'll find power. You can't have power without Holy Ghost, and you can't have Holy Ghost without having power. Wow. I, I, I travel all over the world. I preach in circumstance, situation you can't hardly imagine all over the world, and I've run into something, Pastor. I've run into pastors that are afraid of Holy Ghost. So, look at them. Yeah, my mouth cold talk. That was the Peter Sellers movie. The Pink Panther, y'all didn't watch that, did you? When Kyoto would attack him. Yeah, no, well, anyway. I'd run into pastors that are afraid of the Holy Ghost. So I started 
seeking God. God, why are some of your leaders afraid of the Holy Ghost? It's going to shock you. Here it is. They're afraid of the Holy Ghost because they can't control Him. You can't control the Holy Ghost. You can grieve Him, quench Him, vex Him. You can't control Him. Remember Jesus said, Phew! You see the wind? You hear it? You see its effect? You don't know where it came from? You're not quite sure where it went. That's the way the Holy Ghost is. But I'll tell you what Jesus said about the Holy Ghost. He shall... Let me read it for you, okay? Yes, Bobby. Please do. Uh, let me read just a little bit about what Jesus Christ teaches about Holy Ghost. I, I'm going to John, John chapter, uh, what, let me get it here where I can find the verse. All right, John 14, listen to what he says. He's going, he's going to talk about the Holy Ghost, and he's going to talk about the Holy Ghost is going to glorify the Lord Jesus. John 16, John 16, verse 13. I love I loved when it gets down to the verse I'm going to talk about. Verse 13. But when he, the spirit of truth, the truth-giving spirit comes, he will guide you into all the truth, the whole truth, the full truth. For he will not speak his own message on his own authority, but he will tell you whatever he hears from the Father. He will give the message that has been given to him, and he will announce and declare to you the things that are to come that will happen in the future. Verse 14, he, Holy Ghost, will honor and glorify me, Jesus Christ, because he will take uh, take of and receive, draw upon what is mine, and will reveal it, disclose it, and, and reveal it, and transmit it unto you. But listen to that little phrase. He'll tell you what the future holds. I like that, don't you? That should put every psychic out of business. You don't need a soothsayer. You can't get the future from a soothsayer. You can get a demon, but you can't get... Understanding the future. This book here, Jesus said the Holy Ghost will tell you and announce to you what's going to happen in the future. There's a couple of verses that tell you about your future. You want to hear it? Yes, Bobby. John seven John thirty one seventeen says, Your future's filled with bright hope. Bright hope. Now you can't get that on CNN, can you? The believer's future is filled with bright hope. You in Jeremiah twenty nine eleven he said, I know. My plans, my purposes I have towards you, declares the Lord. Plans for your success, not your failure. My intention is to bring you to a good end, not a dismal, dreary demise. God's plans towards us are big. Jesus walked up to me once and said, Bobby, I give you my personal permission to attempt to exaggerate what I'm about to do. So I said to him, being a preacher, I'll need a verse for that. He said to me, no problem, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. That verse is now to him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or even dare to imagine. I guess we ought to start thinking bigger. Don't you? Yeah, Yeah, really. We can't continue to minimize God. He is supernatural. He told me to tell you, prepare to be surprised. I said, God, how can you tell somebody, prepare to be surprised? But God's about to do something to drop our jaw. It's Habakkuk 1.5. Habakkuk chapter 1, verse 5 says, Look, look, look among the nations. I'll work a work, a work in your day. It'll be so marvelous and so magnificent, you barely can believe it. Wow. I like that. Say it, Habakkuk, Habakkuk. chapter 1, verse 5. Here's another thing about God blowing our mind. Psalms 126, verse 1. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, then were we like them that dreamed. 
Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue was singing. Then said they among the heathen, the Lord has done great things for them. God is going to move in the midst of his people in such a magnitude, even the heathen will go, good God, did you see that? I want that, don't you? I'm tired of hissing and mocking the body of Christ. We're supposed to be a light and salt and have a real, real effect on the world. And so God's going to do that for us. Well, I want to talk about some books. We've got some books out there. Uh, the Lord told me, said, write books. Oh, man, this was years ago, so I thought, okay. So we started writing books. And uh, he came to me and he said, I want you to write a unique book. And I said, hold it just a moment. Would you please explain to me what your definition of a unique book is? That's what, and so the Lord told me, said, Bobby, I want you to write a, a unique book. I said, okay, what, what are you talking about here? He said, people are living in a fast-paced life. They don't have time and won't take time to pick up a 250-page book and read it. They're in a fast-paced world. He said, but I want you to write a 250-page book, but I want you to do it different. I want you to write every chapter like it's a full book, but make each chapter step into the next chapter. So that way you can read it and finish one chapter and go, yeah. And then when you pick it up again, you're already up the stairwell. You know what I mean? And so the first chapter in this book, Living, Living in God's Light, Discovering the Pathway to Divine Purpose. Here's the first chapter is, it is time for a fresh start. Don't you understand the importance of a fresh start? Here's a verse about it. Psalms 30, verse 5. Here's what it says. Psalms 30, verse 5. Weeping may last through the night, but joy comes in the morning. You and I need to be preparing ourselves to embrace the dawning of a new day. Thank God for a fresh start. Lamentation, what, 3, 20 and 21? What does that say? It says, His mercies are new every morning. Great is his faithfulness. So weeping lasts through the night, but joy comes in the morning. We've got to learn how to position ourselves to embrace God's new day. So it's time for a fresh start. Second chapter is this one. After this, I heard a voice that said, come up here. That's Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Now, I want to talk to you just a moment about that verse. You and I have the capability of perceiving and hearing the voice of God. What? You know, nowadays, if, if somebody says, I hear voices... That you, that, you know, they'd be suspect. But the Bible teaches us we can hear the voice of God. John 10, verse 3 says, My sheep hear my voice and they follow me. John 10, 27 says, Other voices they run away from, but they follow the Lamb's voice. You might say, Well, Bobby, uh, how can I intensify the voice of God? How can I amplify, turn up the sound a little Nothing in the world will amplify the voice of God like intimacy. My wife and I have been married. Uh, this, we're, we're on our 54th year. Yeah. Now watch this. If she calls me and I go, who is this? Wow. <laughs> I should be able to tell whether she's happy or sad just by the sound of her voice. And that's the way it is with God. You know what I used to think, erroneously? I used to think if God had something to say to me, he'd get me by the shoulders and go, Bobby! It's right the opposite. He said, it's a sign of your immaturity if I have to shout at you. He said, you should be so close to me, I can guide you with my eye. Have you ever seen a parent guide their child with their eye? Whoo, it'll work. <laughs> Little Janie's fixing to get a hold of something, and Mom goes, oh, and Janie goes, ooh. That's a, that's a sign of prior instruction. Mom and Janie had to talk about that. And so God wants us to be in tune with him in such a way he can, here's what he told me. He said, tell my people, I shout my truths, but I whisper my secrets. 
He shouts his truths. The book of God, is the Bible, is full of truths. But he whispers his secrets. Now that upsets some people. It upsets some people to think that God has secrets. But let me teach you a few things about God's secrets. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, The secret things belong unto God, but the things that are revealed belong unto us and to our descendants from now on. Proverbs 25, verse 2, it says, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter and the honor of kings to search it out. God hides things from us for us so that we will not mess them up before the time they are to be used. Yeah, he does. You say he hides things from us. God definitely has secrets. I tell you who he shares his secrets with. John fifteen fifteen. I don't call you a servant, but a friend. Don't you want to become his friend? Well, anyway, I'm going to talk about the books. I hope that you'll get the book. Uh, I believe it'll really, really help you. Uh, it's encouraging, honestly. And so we we need you ought to. It's pretty nice. Yeah. You listen. God wants to train the people of God. It's so sad. The American public watches five and a half hours of television per person per day. That's the statistics. That's before internet. And then we say, I hadn't got time to study the Bible. Wow, we better learn how to redeem the time, hadn't we? Well, living in the light. You'll read this book if I give it to you, won't you? Now, don't lie to me. I'm prophetic. I'll come get you. I want you to read. I want you to read that. Okay. Lady, he'll share it with you. He, he, living in the light. Psalms, that, that, here's a verse about living in the light. Psalms 36, verse 9. Psalms 36, verse 9 says, With you is the fountain of life, and in your light we see light. Here's your verse about light. Psalms 18, verse 28. Psalms 18, verse 28 says, He will light my lamp, my spirit, and it will flood my whole life with light. Here's a verse about light. You want it? Ephesians 1, 17 and 18. I pray that the eyes of your heart will be flooded with revelatory light. Don't you want revelatory light? I do. Well, there's that book. And the Lord told me to start signing books. I said, I, I, I said uh, Lord, I don't sign books. He said to me, you do now. <laughs> so Carol and my wife was with me, and I said to my wife, Honey, we're having a book signing. She said, I didn't know we signed books. I said, we do now. <laughs> I tell you, the first book I ever signed, so help me. I'm out there at the book table, and a lady comes by. So I knew my name. I signed it. And I said, what's your name? She said, my name is Donna. I said, is it D-O-N-N-A? And she said, that's correct. So I took my pen. I wrote D-O-N-N-A. When the last stroke of the pen made A, a Bible passage just drifted across my spirit just like that. So I wrote it down. She's watching me write it down, and she gasped. She falls on the floor. She's hyperventilating. She's crying and screaming at the same time, going, ah, ah, that's it. That's the word verse my mother used to train me. And every time we sign a book, we'll, we'll give people a verse. Now, this book, book right here is Legacy and Lineage Line. Legacy and Lineage Line. You say, what is that? Well, legacy is what you leave behind. Lineage Line is who you leave behind, and they're inseparable. How you live will affect your descendants from now on. You and I are forging the future our grandchildren will live in right now. This book tells you how to break off ancestral curses and how to amplify the blessings of God in your lineage line. Wow, it really is important to realize how you can break family curses and how you can really speak and declare a blessing in your family lineage line. It's very important 
Talking about importance of declaring something good, there's a verse in the Bible. If it wasn't in the Bible, I'd never believe it. Here's what it basically, I'll break it down in uh, Texas English. Make up your mind what you want, tell God what that is, and He'll get it for you. What? Yep, that's in, it's in the Bible. Make up your mind what you want, tell God what that is, and He'll get it for you. I'll give you another little hint. This is 1 John 5, 14. This is the confidence that we have in Him. If we ask Him anything according to His will, we know that He hears us. If we know that He hears us, we're totally confident we're going to get what we're asking Him. Wow. Here's the, here's the scripture. Make up your mind what you want. Tell God what that is. He'll get it for you. You're going to say, where is that verse at? All right. It's Job twenty-two twenty-eight, And you shall decide a thing, and then you decree what you've decided, and the Lord will establish it. And the word establish it is the same word for created. You shall decide. That means make up your mind. Then you decree what you've made up your mind about, and God will establish it. Light of his favor will shine upon your pathway. Scripture says we have not because we ask not. So I hope you'll get this book. Let me tell you about your lineage line. Psalms 112, verse 2. Psalms 112, verse 2 says, The offspring of the upright will be mighty in the earth. I looked up the Hebrew word mighty. It means they will take charge. Isn't that something? The offspring, your children. Here's a great verse out of the Bible about your offspring. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4. Isaiah 44, 3 and 4 says, God speaking, I will pour water upon him that is thirsty, floods upon dry ground. I will pour my spirit upon your descendants, and they will spring up like willows by a riverbank. Wow. How you live will affect your descendants. You believe it? All right. Have you got this book? This is a second edition. The first edition sold out just like that. And the Lord said, add about 100 pages. So that has uh, 70 to 100 more pages than the first one. And it has decrees you can make over your lineage line. Well, I'm going to get through these books in a moment. Here's one. This is Master's Plan, Divine Design. I wrote this book out of one chapter, in the, out of one verse in the Bible, basically. Ephesians 2.10. I studied Ephesians 2.10 out of every English translation I could find in the earth. Ephesians 2.10 says, We are His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God before ordained would conduct ourselves in them. One translation of Ephesians 2.10 says, You are the best God could do to display who He is. One translation says, You are His stroke of genius to display His God deeds. Wow. Wow. And it all comes from that little Greek word, we're His workmanship. It's a Greek word that means the final stroke of a master artist. So when the devil says to you, who do you think you are? Go, mm, I'm the best God could do. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Okay, there you go. You're welcome. All right, now this brings us to this one. This is called shepherd's rod. Now, I want you to listen to me. Ananias and Sapphira told us, don't lie in church. Remember they dropped dead in church for lying in church? This book for 23 years. On the Day of Atonement, I have a visitation from Jesus Christ. Now, let's just stop right there. For 23 years on the Day of Atonement, we have this encounter, this visitation with Jesus Christ. He'll tell me some of the things that's going to happen in the future. I write a book called The Shepherd's Rod. This is one for 2017, for this year, right here. Wow. Uh, this one here is, is, is really, really, really something. He told me, he said, I want you to go to South Africa to get the shepherd's rod. I said, Lord, why? He said, because you're told to. I said, oh, Lord. 
Send me to Moravian Falls. That's where our home is, and it's, it's, it's easy because it's a good, good place. It's a place of revelation. There's a lot of uh, uh, things going on there that's very godly and good. But anyway, he said, I want you to go to South Africa. And I said, oh, okay. And then uh, I said, why? He said, because you're told to. My wife and I go to South Africa. It is hot. It's over 100 degrees. We're uh, a four-hour plane ride out into the uh, Lystra, and then we get in a, some kind of an off-the-road vehicle and drive uh, four or five hours out in the bush. It's hot. My shirt stuck to my skin, and I could have been up in the beautiful Blue Ridge Mountains, you know, and I said, God, I'm hot. That's what I said. And it's just coming sundown on the Day of Atonement. And I said, God, why have you sent me here? And he said, spearhead. And anyway, you can look that up. It's a military term. It's, it's preparing people for an engagement uh, of the enemy. But I said, okay, God, before, but this is a couple of days before the Day of Atonement. The Lord said, I have a question to pose to you. Here, I'll, I'll just read this. I'm reading out of page 56 now. And uh, here's, here's a, this question is extremely powerful and probing. And here's, here's what the Lord said. I have a question to present to you. I said, okay. And I said, where is it? He said, it's Jeremiah 23, verse 18. Listen to it. For who has stood in the counsel of the Lord and has perceived and heard his word and who has marked his word and heard it? So that's the question he asked me. Who has stood in my courts? Who has heard my counsel? Who has marked it and heard it? And here's what I said to him. With all my heart, I want to answer the above question with a truthful and positive. Yes, I have. I have, by the grace of God, stood in the counsel of the Lord and in his courts and perceived and heard his word. These days are too fragile and desperate to hear man's opinion and mere human agendas. But rather, we must position ourselves to hear and heed the true words of God from the courts and councils of heaven. So I said to him, yes, I want to say I have. Wow. So there I am in Africa. And I'm so hot I can't bleed. I can't, my shirt stuck to me. I'm hassling like a hound. And I'm fussing. God, I'm hot. Then all of a sudden, a breeze comes. Now, I look at the trees. Those trees are dead still. There's this cool breeze flapping my shirt, blowing in my face. You say, what's bringing the breeze? Seven angels. Seven angels come out of heaven, and they get around me like I'm standing there, and they join hands like this. Seven angels. They're maybe three or four feet uh, taller, and they start going around me like this. And they hold hands, and they start slow, and in a moment, they're going at such a rap, such so rapid pace till it causes a suction and sucked me up into heaven. And I'm standing at massive gates, gates that are way bigger and taller than this building and much longer, and there's massive angels higher than the gates guarding the gates. The gates look like they were pearl and, and silver uh, but they moved. They were marvelous. Here's these seven guiding angels. They brought me to a gate guarded by numerous massive angels. And these massive angels spoke in perfect unison, perfect synchronization. And they said with such a voice and such a power, it shook the heavens. Here's what they said. Who have you brought to this gate? They're talking about me. I, had, I was at mixed emotions. I wanted to turn to dust and disappear. And I wanted to hear what they had to say. Well, I'm telling you a pretty stunning situation here. There I am. I'm standing there. And, I, and uh, here's what they said. The guiding angel said to the guarding angels, we brought the friend of the king. 
Can you imagine that? When he said that, I, all the strength left me. I fell down, and I thought, oh, my. And they said, no, get up. And I went to the courts of heaven. I'm here to tell you tonight, we're not free-falling. We're not without a plan. God's in charge. The, the whole thing looks chaotic from this perspective, but from his perspective, everything's on course. He's going to fill this whole earth with the knowledge of his son. He's going to do Isaiah 40, verse 5. says, all flesh shall see the glory of God. God's up to something. I saw angels. Pastor, I saw angels as far as I could see standing like soldiers ready to be deployed. You know why they hadn't been deployed? We have not stepped into our true identity. I'm telling you, things are going to vastly and swiftly change. In the next few months, you will learn more about becoming a joint heir with Jesus than you've known your whole life. You'll learn more about sonship than you've known in your whole life. I'm telling you, it is an amazing thing to find out we're supposed to be running this whole planet. And that's what we're going to be talking about uh, tomorrow some. We're going to talk about the power God has invested in us to legislate this earth. He's going to hold us accountable for what happens on this planet. Wow. You believe that? Uh, I can promise you it's going to happen. But anyway, the shepherd's rod. I hope you'll read it. We, we talk about the courts of heaven. We talk about what we saw there. One of the things that amazed me, I knew it, but I now I know it. You know what I mean? The Lord said, look at this. And uh, he did like that and pulled back the curtains. And I saw on earth, I saw a little frail woman, little bitty frail woman like you would see in nursing homes or convalescence homes, little wrinkled up blue-haired, and she's on her knees praying. And here's what God Almighty told me. He said, Bobby, you see that little saint praying? I said, yes. He says, announce to my people, she has more power than all the combined armies of the earth put together. Wow. I was stunned with how little we know about the power of prayer. He told me, he said, her prayer, she has more power than all the combined armies of the earth put together. One little bitty weak woman before the throne of God. Wow. We're going to find out prayer can do anything God can do. And God can do anything. So I, we're going to learn more about prayer than we've known lately. The Lord told me one time, he said, Bobby, my people don't like to talk to me. Least attended service in any church is prayer meeting. But he said, I'm going to give you a phrase, a statement that will change people's paradigm about prayer. It'll turn it from a Drudgery to delight, from a duty to a desire. I said, God, I want that phrase. I want to see God's people turn from drudgery of prayer to the delight of prayer. And here he's, he said, my people don't like to talk to me because they don't understand what prayer is. And here's the phrase he told me. He said, true prayer is an audience with the king. Wow. You and I have been given an audience with the king. Wow, no potentate, no president has ever offered that. Anytime, any place we can come boldly before the throne of God and receive his grace and his mercy. Isn't that something? Wow, an audience with the king. Uh, you'll read this, won't you? Good. Oh, good catch. Good gracious. Well, anyway, you say, well, you got any more books? Well, I got a whole bunch, but there's some out there anyway. Here's the deal. I want you to start getting hungry for the word of God. One of the greatest things God's doing now is initiating hunger. 
initiating hunger. You say, well, how hungry can a person get? Oh, desperately, spiritually hungry. Isn't it what? Psalms 42, verse 1. As a little desert deer pants after the water brook, so pants my soul after thee, O God. Psalm 63, verse 1 said, I thirst for you, like in a dry and weary land where no water is. If we'll get desperate for God, he'll come. And he's doing us all a favor. He's been doing something for the last two decades that we desperately need. He's been fanning, the Holy Spirit has been fanning the flame of discontentment within our hearts so that we won't settle for less than what God wants to give us. What you feel in you is a divine disturbance so that you will not be satisfied with mundane business as usual. Aren't you glad things are changing? Wow. The church is about to be a force to be reckoned with. We're a hiss between the teeth of the, his, the heathen right now. But I'm telling you, they're going to find out they need us, and they need us bad. We're the only ones that's going to stop the corruption in this world. We are salt and light. Is that correct? Boy, and so we're going to step into that call that God has us. And salt and light, that's uh, guidance and preservation, isn't it? It, it really is. You say, well, Bobby, I, I don't want to get too involved. Well, you're already involved. You've already been inducted in the army of God. God calls us several things in the scriptures, sons, saints, and soldiers. We love the son part. Don't know much about it yet. Uh, we like the saint part, but we shun the soldier part. Guess what the most repetitive name in the Bible for God is? The most used name in the Bible for God. Here it is. It should give us a clue. Lord of armies. Lord of hosts. That should tell us there's a conflict. If the most repetitive name for God is Lord of hosts. Wow. Let me tell you about this thing. We're fighting from victory, not for victory. This thing's already settled. I read the back of the book. We win. I'm telling you, no weapon formed against us works. We've got to shake this thing about, have you seen what was happening in the world? Well, listen, what you've got to do now, not be ignorant of the things happening in the world, but lift your vision higher. If you look at what's happening, Luke, the, the, Jesus in the Gospel of Luke, man's heart's failing them for the things they see coming upon the earth. But if you'll just lift your vision a little bit higher, to Isaiah 26, verse 3, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon thee. Wow. Say perfect peace. I'll tell you, another, uh, another pattern or protocol for having peace is found in, in, in uh, uh, Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. It says this, basically, maintain an attitude of gratitude and the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will keep your hearts. It's a Hebrew, it's a Greek word that says tranquility of soul. Wow. See, a lot of people are trying to get happy, being stimulated from the outside, but real saints get happy from the inside. Don't you like that? He keeps us in perfect peace, so we'll keep our mind on him. How do we keep our mind on him in a fast-paced world? Here's a, here's a starter. Psalms 46, verse 10 and 11. Psalms 46, 10 and 11, it says, Be still. And know that I'm God. Isn't it Job? The book of Job, I think it's maybe Job 20, 21. 
or 22, 21, something like that. Acquaint now thyself with God and be at peace and good will come unto you. Get to know God. Happiest people I know are those that have a relationship with God. Yeah. The happiest people I know. You know, people, the world tells you if you get rich, you get happy. That's not true, is it? Happiest people are those that know Jesus and love him and follow him. I'll tell you a secret. Try not to tell everybody. (laughs) Some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. Some people have just enough Jesus to be miserable. They got him in the head, but not in the heart. They can't enjoy anything. They don't know enough about God to enjoy him, and they can't enjoy sin. Wow. Just enough Jesus to be miserable. We need the real thing, don't we? We need the total package. How do we get that? Well, we get the total package, but we somehow set some of it aside. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if any person be in Christ, he is a brand new creation. Old things are passed away. All things become bright and brand new. Wow. Why would anybody after that go back to the things of darkness? Don't you want to walk on in the light? Enoch tells us it's a pretty good thing to walk with God. He just kept on walking, didn't he? Well, good. That's good. These kids are fine. Thank God. I'm serious. Y'all are fine. Do you know what? Yeah. Most of the time I don't know what kids are going to do when they grow up. A little red-headed kid, I think he was seven when this happened, he had a little curly, nappy red hair. And I ran my hand through his head like that, and I said, Hey! I know what you're going to be when you get grown. You're going to be a famous surgeon. His mother and daddy was there, and I could feel them saying, who's paying for that? (laughs) But he's a famous surgeon. Now he's grown. In the middle of med school, he said, if you've misled me, I'm going to kill you. That's what he said. (laughs) Then one one pastor's little boy was there one time. He's a little thing about like that. And I said, I know what you're going to be when you get big. And he goes, What? And I said, you're going to be a professional baseball player. And his daddy, his daddy, he's got the funniest look on his face. And, he, and, and so later on, his dad, said, his dad said to me, Bobby, you know every little kid longs to be a professional baseball player, but how could, how could you say that to him? I said, because when he gets big, he's going to be a professional baseball player. Oh, all those years went by. And he played, he got, he got, he was good in high school, good in college, and got called up to be a pro. And his dad called me and said, Bobby, you're not going to believe it. I said, no, you're the one that didn't believe it. <laughs> Isn't that something? But listen, God's got plans for us. That's right. And they're good plans. They're better than we could engineer for ourselves. I'm telling you, we used to sing about it, trust and obey. For there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. I told you a while ago I've been preaching how many years? 48, if you would ask me for advice, if you just came up to me after a while and said, Bobby, uh, is there any advice could you give me? Here's what I would tell you. The best advice I can give any of us is this. Swift and complete obedience. Do as quickly as you can, as thoroughly as you can, anything he asks you to do. Here's what he told me. He said, half-hearted obedience is nothing but cloaked rebellion. Uh, what, is re- what is rebellion? It is as a sin of witchcraft. Wow. So let's start obeying God as quickly as we can, 
as thoroughly as we can. Things will work out better. Ask Jonah. I've walked with God long enough to know he can get you in a hammerlock. Remember Jonah? Go to Nineveh. No way. A few days later, go, yes way. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I guess he must be the most stubborn guy in the Bible I've found. Three days in the belly of the whale. And then finally goes, okay, change my itinerary. You know? Wow. Jonah. Well, anyway, what about you? God been asking you to do something that you're vacillating on? I'm waiting for a more convenient time. There'll never be a better time than now to obey Him. Wow. If you try to be the one that discerns the timing, you'll really miss God. Ask King Saul. I saw the enemy gathering and I saw our people scattering. So I forced myself and offered a sacrifice. He let himself try to discern what was the will of God for that call. And he did the right thing in the wrong way. Cost him the kingdom, didn't it? Wow. So you can't just come up with an idea and go, well, look, look, circumstance demands that I do. No. You need to learn to listen to the Holy Ghost and do what he says to do. Well, you'll figure all that out later. Because the Holy Ghost will talk to you if you listen. Have you ever started to do something and something inside has said, mm-mm, I wouldn't do that if I was you. Now, you have a will. Wait just a minute. Let's talk about that. You want to? God is sovereign. God could make everybody on this planet get saved. Why don't he do it? I'll tell you why. He's given you something he deems more precious than his own sovereignty. Free will. He gives you the privilege of telling him no. Wow. One reason he won't make everybody on earth get saved is this reason right here. He wants volunteer lovers. He wants those that make up their mind, yes, Jesus, I receive you. Wow. Wow. Remember the whole theme of the conference is only believe. What must I do to be saved? There's a lot of hoops people put up there, but that's not what Jesus said. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Wow. Acts 16, 31. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved and your whole household. Wow. The simplicity of it. Some people don't believe because they go, no. I've been trying to figure this out. Well, let me help you. You can't. You can't figure out salvation. Not one single verse of the Bible tells you to figure it out. I can show you verses that tell you to quit trying. There's a guy in the Bible a lot smarter than any of us in this room. It Nick, remember him? John 3, Nicodemus. A ruler of the Jews. What the heck does that mean? It meant he kept 480 Levitical laws a day. It meant he could quote the first five books of the Bible. Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, the same came to Jesus by night and said, Rabbi, we know your teacher come from God. Nobody can pull off what you're doing except that God be with you. Now notice this. You find something strange. One man speaking in the plural. We know. And Jesus won't let you hide in the crowd. He says to Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now here's this astute religious person says, what? What? You mean I have to go back in mommy's tummy and come out again? And then Jesus said, marvel not 
The word marvel not means quit attempting to use human intellectuality to figure out spiritual principles. Marvel not that I say unto thee, you must be born again. Quit trying to figure it out. Just experience it. A lot of people are not coming to Christ because they think, well, I'm going to wait till I figure all of this out. You'll never do it. You can't figure it out naturally, but you have to experience it spiritually. Won't that be something? You say, well, how do I, how do I really give my heart to Jesus? Number one, you realize you're undone and lost without him. Hopeless and helpless. You say, well, is that a reality? Yes, we all come out of the womb speaking lies. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. There's none good. No, not one. Wow. We come out of the womb speaking lies. What does that mean? It means we're born in sin. The Bible said, in sin did my mother conceive me. That's what David said. Well, we come into this earth a sinner. Now, don't go out of here saying, Bobby Connor believes babies that die go to hell. You'll never hear the whimper of a baby in hell. You know why? Babies that die are safe because they could not make a choice to reject him. But I'm telling you, from the moment of the age of accountability, they're accountable. You say, what is that? Some people say 12. Listen, there's people that have committed murder at the age of 12. There's people sold themselves into homosexuality and all this stuff at 12. The the age for accountability is much lower now. You understand that? Do you believe that a society has uh, caused young people to grow up way too fast? I do. I do. You know what I want back on earth? Common sense. It seems like the whole world is in the process of trying to go crazy. I, I want common sense, don't you? It's, it's a commodity. It, it, it's rare. You read some of the ideas behind some of these political things. I want somebody that's got some sense, don't you? And just enough sense to realize, God, we can't run this thing. You're going to have to do it. Well, anyway. So you realize you're lost, and then if you'll confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It says, for with the mouth confession's made unto salvation. So can't figure it out, but experience it. You say, well, Bobby, I'm not saved, but do you think God's dealing with me? Duh. (laughs) You don't think it was the devil. Go, hey, you better get saved. If you know you're lost, you can mark it down. God is dealing with you. No man can come to the Father except the Spirit draw him. So if you know you're lost, there'll never be a better time than right now to give your life to Jesus. I'm in a, I'm in a, re, I'm in a revival meeting in, uh, overseas, and I'm giving a salvation message for people to be saved. And here's what I said in the, in the meeting. I don't want anybody standing for any other reason than you're giving your heart to Jesus as to receive him as your Lord and Savior. That's the only reason I want you to stand. Don't stand for any other reason. And people started standing, and I heard some shuffling on the platform. I turned around, and the pastor that's putting on the conference is standing. I said to him, Sir, did you understand? I asked only people that were responding to an invitation to receive Jesus Christ publicly were to stand. He said, Yes, I understood it for the first time clearly in my whole life. He said, all my life I've been trying to do enough to be accepted. 
And now I realize it's not what I do. It's what he's already done. And the pastor was giving his heart and his life to Jesus publicly. Wow. Wow. I like that, don't you? So let me ask you, what about you? You say, well, I'm a good guy. Not good enough. Not by works of righteousness, which we have done. There is none good, no, not one. Well, I'm a church member. That's noble, but that's not it. Well, I'm a benevolent fellow. That's wonderful, but that won't get... I want to ask you this. Listen, listen to me. You, you, you can hear this. You ready? That's a heartbeat. You're one of those away from eternity. Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says it is appointed unto men once to die and after this the judgment. Let's just blow this thing away about these Hindus that think you're going to get to come back as a grasshopper or a puppy. One shot at this thing. One shot. You're not coming back. You don't get a do-over. No mulligans on this. You miss it, that's it. You say, well, Bobby, I don't know, man. You know, I'll think about it. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Today is the day of salvation. Today. Yeah. You say, well, Bobby, now listen. The prayer is so simple. All you have to say, and many from your heart, is, Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. I know I can't save myself. I know that you died for me upon the cross. And I know you're not dead today. I'm asking you, Jesus, to come into my heart. Forgive me of my sin and save my soul. Wash me in your blood. I give my life to you. I'll guarantee you, under every star of heaven, he'll save you. All that come to him, he'll in no wise cast out. The plan is so simple. The Bible said, a wayfaring fool need not ear therein. That's a verse in the Bible. King James, I might add. The way of salvation is so clear that a wayfaring fool need not ear therein. I said, God, give me that in Texican. Here's what he said. Tell the people if they got enough sense to get back to the house, they got enough sense to get saved. That's what that verse means. Yeah. So what do you guys do? Tell me about it. You love Jesus? That's good. You love Jesus too? So how are y'all serving Jesus? Intimacy? That's good. He wants to talk to us. He wants to love on us. He wants to be our best friend. Yeah. He really wants to help us to be all that he's called us to be. He'd be unjust to give us an assignment without an anointing. I love Psalms 92.10. I shall be anointed with fresh oil. That fresh oil will release my strength like that of a wild ox. I think the church has been too tame, don't you? Some of you might be here and saying. Well, I'm too old. I should have, I, sh- I could have, and should have, but I didn't. You ain't never too old. Psalms 92, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, and 15 says, You'll be full of sap in old age, firm and stable and bearing fruit. That's pretty good, isn't it? That's better than going, <laughs> you know. I don't know why we think we'll get a certain age, we've got to lose our mind. We don't know if we're bingo or bowling, you know. <laughs> God wants you to maintain a strong life. You, I promise you it's in the Bible. He'll invigorate you if you'll let him. He'll stir you up from the inside out. You say, well, Bobby, I got some. Now, turn your life to him. He'll strengthen you. Yeah. Yeah. 
was in a nursing home when God resurrected a dead woman. Jumped up and grabbed me by the face, jerked me down, started prophesying to me. I was 200 and way too much. She's about 82 pounds. I couldn't get loose from her. Had me by the face, jerked me down there. When she turned me loose, everybody in that room was screaming. I was scared of her. I told you all about her, didn't I? See, you ought to go to nursing homes and preach. Exciting things happen. I was at Twin Oaks Nursing Home there in Jacksonville, Texas. I'd preach there a lot. I get there one time. There's a hearse out there. and So I go in, the nurses are there, and they said, Miss Shamlin's dead, uh, passed away, and her family's back there. Her son was 72 years old when this happened, so I don't know how old Mama was, older than dirt. But anyway, uh, she used to play the piano when I'd preach some, so they, she said, the family's all back there. Would you go back and say a prayer? And I, they said, the mortician's here to get the body, and I said, okay. So there's her son. He's crying. The whole the grandkids are all squalling. It's it's just kind of chaotic in that room. And there's the over there in the corner is the bed. And so I, I walk in and, and so I'm going to say a prayer over the woman. So I go over there and I did want to pray over a sheet, a hump in a sheet. So I uncovered her like this. Everybody's crying. Oh, oh. I uncovered her like that and I thought to myself, Oh God, I should have left her covered. <laughs> She's bluer than this carpet. And her mouth is wide, not a tooth in her head, and something oozed out. The side. I thought, oh, Lord, I should have left her covered. But you can't just cover her back up. <laughs> so this is, her, this is what happened. I leaned over her just like this. And I had, my, I had my eyes closed. No wonder the Bible says, watch and pray. <laughs> I had my eyes closed. And here's what I said when she resurrected. Dear Lord Jesus. I want to thank you for the life of Ada. When I mix those two words together, the life of Ada, she resurrected from the dead, raised up in bed, grabbed me by the face, jerked my face down this close to her face, and started prophesying to me. It's articulate, not, not a bit of slur at all in her voice. I couldn't get loose from her, too. You know, I, you know, She had me, man. When she turned me loose, all of us were screaming. I tell you. <laughs> I was scared of her. She lived for months and months. But when I mixed her name with the word life, God resurrected her. Wow. Listen, have you ever, have you realized this? None of us get out of this alive. Yeah. So listen, we got to get ready, hadn't we? We got to be living every day like this could be the day we step into the glory. Or this could be the day the sky split and Jesus comes. If you'll study the Bible, there's not one single prophecy in the Bible that has to be fulfilled, that would delay Jesus from coming. Not a single one of them. I could show you several hundred that are already fully fulfilled for him to come. So there's no verses that would delay him. So he could come at any moment. It says, those of us that preach should be saying, expect him to come at any moment. Wow. He could come, couldn't he? Yeah. Well, listen, people go, well, I'll wait till then and then. No, it'll be too late. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. Look up the, the, the Greek word moment. It's the word for splitting an atom. That's the smallest measure of time. That's how quick you'll come. You, you won't have time to fall down and go, Oh, Lord, forgive me for stealing. No. You, it's too late. It's already settled. Well, we've got to get out of here. So are you living for Jesus too? That's good. What's your name? Bradford. Bradford? That's pretty good. You ought to study it. You, you know what your name means? I do. Yeah, polished one. Polished one. 
Yeah, Brandon means uh, a lustrous warrior. Yeah, names mean things, don't they? Yeah. Anyway, we're fixing to get out of here. But I'm, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about opportunities God's putting in our, our hands. Did you know, did, if ever you're going to win people to Jesus, now's the time to do it. The people are ready to hear the solid, straight gospel message. They don't want to hear about some new program you got at church. They want to know, can this Jesus bring my husband back home? Can this Jesus get my kids off a of dope? Can this Jesus drive away the fear that possesses my life? Yes, he can. Yes, he can. Yes, he will. And here's, I'm involved with the ministry right now that led one million people to Jesus Christ last year. I mean, led them to Jesus Christ. Cards filled out, discipleship programs entered, one million people. I'm telling you, the fields are white and ripe to harvest. And while we're talking about that, thank you all for supporting Eagles View Ministry. They've been fa- the church here has been faithful to, su- to support our ministry. I'm telling you, you cannot imagine the doors that are opening around the world. It is mind-boggling, honestly. But God wants to do something during these days. He wants to stir us up to good works. It, the word used is provoke us to good works. Stir us up to good works. And the best works we can do is lead people to Christ. He said, Bobby, make sure you keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is winning souls. And the Bible said, he that wins souls is what? Wise. And it says we'll shine brighter and brighter. Some people say, and I've even had preachers. Here's what I've had preachers say to me. Well, Bobby, I think we ought to tone it down a little bit about this evangelistic stuff. Said, don't come on too strong. You might run them away. Talk about the sinners. I said, where are you going to run them? Hell one, hell two, hell three. They're lost. There's nowhere to run them to. You know what I mean? God's going to hold us accountable if we don't tell them. The Bible said it this way. If I tell you to warn the wicked man of his wicked ways and you don't do it, his blood will I require in your hands. You say, well, where's my harvest field? I believe the scriptures would tell us our first harvest field is our family. Start in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the other. Start with your own household. Your aunts, your uncles, your children, your husband, your wife. Make sure they're saved. That's a pretty good harvest field right there. And I tell you, just to be quite frank, it's the hardest harvest field. You know why? They know you. Let me tell you about you. You preach a better message with your life than your lips. So shine, okay? Well, tomorrow we're going to talk about some stuff. I hope you can come tomorrow. There's going to be two services. Now, I don't speak the same message on either one of the two services. But I'm telling you what. God wants to encourage us not to give up, but to hold on. If the devil's been doing anything at all to the saints of God, he's been trying to steal your hope to get you to give up. Hebrews 10, 35. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 35 says, Do not... Fling away from you your steadfast hope in God. Because your steadfast hope in God brings with it a great recompense of reward. One translation says, hold on to hope. It pays big dividends. The Bible said it this way. Hope deferred does what? Makes the heart sick. But when it comes, what you've longed for, what you've hoped for, it's a wellspring of life. So don't give up on your hope. Hold on to it. I'm telling you, 
one day can change the whole thing. I am stunned in the Bible at the stories that whole things changed in one day. One day can change everything. Wow. Wow. I think the brightest example of that is Mark chapter 5. This guy woke up a screaming, naked maniac in a graveyard, and he goes to bed that night, a missionary, seated, clothed in his right mind. That's a big transition in one day. Mark chapter 5. I call him the nude, rude dude. (laughs) He, He was rank boy. But then he went from a maniac to a missionary just like that. What a difference one day makes. So we'll talk about that. Anybody here sick enough to get prayer? Here's one. If you're sick enough to get prayer, come line up across here and we'll pray for the sick. Oh, I'll tell you what. God is healing the sick. The ones, God's, the ones that doctors have given up on, God has not given up on them. So, yeah, just line up across here. We're going to come by and pray for you. Now, here's what, here's what you need to do now. This is where you switch from the spectator mode to the participator mode. The Bible said if any two of us will agree of what they're asking God, it'll be done for us. God says you, the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous person will get the job done. And so there's more than two or three of us here, and these people are sick. They're down here because something is not right with them. And God wants us to have everybody healed. He told us to pray, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in this earth exactly as it is in heaven. Not one single sick person in heaven. So there has to come a day on earth, there's not one single sick person. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Wow. Psalms 100 what? Psalms 103 says that he'll heal all, all of our diseases. So what we're going to do, we're just going to come by and lay hands on you and ask God to heal you. I was just in, well, just, uh, it, I was in Wisconsin, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, sometimes in uh, October, the end of October. They brought a man, I'm telling you, it was pitiful, in a wheelchair, gasping, and a, it, it was just, listen, I don't, listen, he was really, really in bad shape. So they brought him, the pastor leaned over there and said, uh, this man has got to have a heart transplant, but he's not capable for that, and they can't, do a bypa- they can't do a valve thing, and the doctor says he needs a new heart. Anyway, so we prayed for him, and it looked like nothing happened. He was still gasping. He was just, looked just like he did when we prayed for him, but then he goes to the doctor, and the doctor Here's what, here's what the pastor said. The doctor said, oh, my God, you've got a new heart. He said, and they've got it on film. they got it on, what do you call it, a sonogram or whatever you can see inside. And there's the big heart that was bad, and then he's got a little heart doing great. This guy's running around, flying in airplanes, and, and I mean, he, he couldn't draw a next breath hardly. And I'm, telling, I'm telling you, but see, you can't go by what you think you see. And, and listen, if I didn't believe God was going to heal you, I wouldn't spend time praying for you. I'm believing God's going to heal you. We don't pray for people, well, I hope it works. No, I'm expecting them to be healed. I'm telling you, God is taking titanium hips out and putting bone and socket. Yeah, x-rays. X-rays of bones completely healed, screws, pins gone. 
letters from doctors that said, I wouldn't believe this was the same arm had I not been the doctor that said it. Isn't that crazy? If God does it for one, he can do it for anyone. So y'all extend your hand towards these folks and we're going to pray for them. We'll just start with you, okay? Hold your hands out like you're going to receive something, okay? Father, I want to thank you that you are the healer. And Lord, you said we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. So Lord, I thank you right now. You'll make this brother well and you'll make him totally well from the inside out and from the head to the toe. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord, I want to thank you. I want to thank you. You said we'll lay hands on the sick and they'll get well. So, Lord, make this woman well, and we'll give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Here, catch this. You ready? Good. Lord, yeah, so I breathed on her because that's where the problem is. Good. Lord, I want to thank you. Thank you. He said you're living up to your name. That's good. Your name means anointed. So, Father, I want to thank you. Bless my brother. Make him absolutely, totally, 100% well in Jesus' name. Now, I encourage you to go back to your doctor, get him to check you out. Real miracles will stand up under scrutiny. You know what I mean? Good. Catch this. You ready? He says, healing is the children's bread. Lord, I thank you. Heal this woman. We'll give you glory, Jesus. He says, just why not? Yeah. Lord, I want to thank you that you rewrite the script. You rewrite the script. I believe that the doctors are going to say, we've rewritten your reports. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that he writes the script. Aren't you glad? Good. Father, I want to thank you. I want to thank you that you said that by your stripes we're healed. Not might be, could be, we are. And we believe you. You're not a God that would deceive us. So Lord, make this woman perfectly, ever with, 100% whole. In Jesus' name, amen. Good. Well, there's a wonderful heat going in her head. Feel of this, Pastor. Feel right. Can you feel that? I like heat. When you get prayed for and heat comes, it's good. Say good. God bless you. I'm going to pray for you and blow on your hand. You put this on your forehead, okay? Lord, I thank you. Ooh, I can feel that. Good. Thank you, Jesus. Heal this baby in Jesus' name. I'm not a baby. You are to me. Yeah. God bless you. There's music all in them fingers. Did you know it? There is. God bless you. Good. Yeah, Lord, we thank you. You're a good, good God. A good, good God. That's what he says to tell you. He's a good, good God. Lord, we trust you. We trust your goodness. We trust your plans and your purposes for us. Lord, for thank you for healing now. In Jesus' name. Lord, I thank you. Good. Lord, bless this man. Touch him from the top of his head down to the soles of his feet. Thank you for health. Thank you for strength. In Jesus' name. Good. You'll be able to breathe a lot better. That'll be good for you. Kind of hard to live without breathing. But you'll breathe better. God bless you. Good. He does. does. He's not near through with you. You're not through with him, and he's not through with you. There's stuff to do. Rose to hoe. He, do, he says, I'm not through with you. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, touch this brother. Make him totally well, strong. And thank you for this. Thank you. Good. Good. Yeah, I can feel that. Good. God bless you. Yeah. 
He said, if not now, when? Now's a good time. Don't you want to be pain-free? I speak to the joints and the bones and the sinews and all those things. We thank you for mobility, for good mobility. Thank you for a pain-free life. I speak to knees and ankles and feet and hips and spine. Lord, thank you for mobility and being wonderfully mobile. Bless my brother. Yeah, good. Ooh, I can feel that. Said right down what he's talking to you about. That's good. You doing okay? Me too. Don't go to church and not have fun. Good. You say, well, I'm not sick, but I'd like prayer. I'll give you a verse, okay? Here's your verse, and I'll just put it in your heart. Psalm 6511. Psalm 6511 says this. He crowns this year with his goodness. And everywhere his wagon, his chariot wheels roll, it drips with prosperity. Psalms 6511. God crowns this year with his goodness. And one translation says, even where his footprints step on hard paths, it drips with prosperity. Most translation says, anywhere his chariot wheel rolls, it leaves, it drips with fatness. But he crowns this year. What state win tonight? Texas. The word crowned is the same word for corral. What happens if you put a horse in a corral? Anywhere he runs, he runs into the corral. God says, I corral, I encircle you with my goodness. Anywhere you move, you're going to hit what? The goodness of God. Psalm 65, 11. That's a good verse, isn't it? Here's another one if you want it. Psalms 115, verse 14 and 15. May the Lord increase you more and more, you and your entire family. May you be blessed of the God that made the heavens and the earth. That's a good verse, isn't it? Now, I don't know about you, but Matthew 10, 41 says this. If you re- Jesus talking, the red part of the Bible, Matthew 10, 41 says, If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you get a prophet's reward. Wow. Wonder what that is. If, if I've got a thing that said, congratulations, you're the grand prize winner, I'd want to know what it is. It could be a Ferrari or it could have been a covered wagon. What is it? What's a prophet's reward? Now, I'm going to tell you, you barely will believe me. A prophet's reward is this, the deepest desire of your heart granted by the power of God. That's Matthew 10, 41. You say, where is that at? If you receive a prophet in the name of a prophet, you'll get a prophet's reward. And the prophet's reward is the deepest desire of your heart granted to you by the power of God. That's 2 Kings chapter 4. The Shunammite woman that the prophet said, what is it she wants? And remember, she wanted what? A son. And he said, about this time, you'll be holding what you, you, you're asking for. And I'll paraphrase. She said, don't jack me around. <laughs> said, nay, my Lord, lie not unto your handmaiden. In other words, don't tell me what you think I want to hear. But she got what she wanted, did she? Well, I'll be at the book table. And in the morning, what time? 8? 8.30. I should be ready. Nah, we got to always be ready, hadn't we? Listen, God bless you. Thanks for coming. Thank you for listening to this week's message. 
For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.